Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for Player.fm. That's Player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon, and that brief moment of Zen happiness with the puppies there right before the show. <laughs> For those of you watching on Facebook Live, good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show. I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. And, you know, I'm going to talk a, a, a little bit about political and life philosophy today. I'm going to touch on violence and and politics, um, and we're going to cover a lot of territory today. And some of it's not going to be Zen puppies. I'm sorry, Um, and I might trigger a few people, so trigger warning, everybody. Um, But, you know, I, I, I blew off the show last week because such momentous happenings were going on at the time that I felt it was more important for people to pay attention to national news at that time than to listen to me blather on about what was going on in Lane County's budget. And we can, can, we can get back to Lane County's budget here in a while, um, but I think it's really important to talk about a little bit about core philosophies and understanding, you know, why violence in politics never really gets you what you want and, you know, only can result in discrediting your cause and, and making things worse sometimes for your cause. Um, you know, just look at the, the immediate reactions to last week um, of uh, censorship that are, that's happening and uh, the, the, the general desire for growth in government, yet I would say that most of the people that, that were there to support President Trump in Washington, D.C., not this small percentage of those people that actually committed the violence, weren't there to support more government control. But that is exactly what they're going to get out of that violence. It only begets the desire to grow the size of government, to have more power, to control and prevent that from happening in the future. Which brings me to what my core philosophy in both life and in politics is. And it's a, it's a base principle 
for libertarianism in the U.S. And that is, I believe in the non-initiation of force. That I should not initiate force against other people and other people should not initiate force against me. Um, and they shouldn't do that personally. They shouldn't do it to the government. You know, although at the same time, libertarians are realistic and understand there has to be some form of government to allow for a civil society under rule of law. So there has to be some limited amount of force used in forming that government and funding it and carrying out the functions of that government. But if you believe in minimizing that, to the greatest extent possible, you believe in small government. And what you're really believing in is individual rights. And that when you initiate force against another person, it's usually violating their personal rights. And that rights are held by individuals, not groups, individuals. And that, you know, those rights include you know, right not to be harmed. And usually force, and force can be in many ways different things. It can be also, you know, taking away somebody's property through fraud is a form of force, believe it or not. But you have to, you know, basically believe that, that you shouldn't be forcing people to do anything. Now, it doesn't mean you can't defend yourself once somebody's initiated force against you. It's not a pacifist philosophy where you never, you know, initiate or even respond to force. You know, that, that ability to respond is one of the reasons why I support the Second Amendment. It's about self-defense. And, 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 to, and knowing that you have that ability to defend yourself quite often will stop somebody from initiating force in the first place. So really, when you think about, you know, a civil society and what would be best in civil society, if more people adopted that policy of non-initiation of force, you know, think about how much better things would be I mean, there's always going to be the exceptions to the rule, and that's one of the reasons why we form government. Why the, you know, way back, you know, when we were still in the Stone Age and just found about, out about fire, we formed tribes to protect ourselves from other people and the wild, and, you know, as tribal governments became, you know, the first forms of trying to protect individuals from force. And so we do need governments to enforce law. And we also need governments to enforce contracts. So one of the, an important piece of government for libertarians are the court systems. Where a place you can go to resolve contract disputes between two people that are consenting adults that form a contract if they come into dispute about what that contract says, it's much better to work that out through the court system than it is to end up 
having one use force against the other because they believe they violated some contract. That's a really important function of government. The court system and some kind of you know, law enforcement that has the ability to respond when somebody does initiate force against another individual and to hold that person responsible. Because if you truly believe in, in the non-initiation of force, you believe in small government that won't interfere with people's lives, which gets down to that whole idea of freedom, liberty, but you have to tie personal responsibility to it. You have to accept the consequences of your exercise and your own freedoms and your own decisions, and you need to take responsibility for those decisions. Not somebody else, because if you expect somebody else to bail you out, you're going to ask them to give up their property, time, or treasure to bail you out, which is a form of force. And particularly if you're expecting the government to take that property and time and treasure from that other person through taxation and then give it to you because you made bad decisions. Initiation of force allows for the greatest personal freedom, allows people to worship who they want or not worship, worship how they want, allows them to make decisions about who they want to love, what they do in their bedrooms, how they raise their children, whether or not they want to get a vaccination. All these things go back to not forcing people to do something. So important. Such a base concept. And I would ask all those folks that consider themselves Republicans or Democrats, to ask themselves, what is your core philosophy you can tie your political beliefs to? Can, can, you, can you simply look back towards you know, a, a couple principles? And, and for me, one of those base principles is that non-initiation of force. And I think a lot of Democrats probably believe that in their core about certain things. It's one of the reasons why they tend to be social liberals and, and, you know, are okay with gay marriage and they're okay with all sorts of religion and, you know, those sort of things. When you look at the conservative side, they see that the use of government and the size of government is actually a form of force. If those two sides could kind of realize they're both, you know, looking at the same piece of core philosophy just from a little bit different angle and would expand it to cover all politics, we'd all be libertarians, probably. But understanding that you want you can't initiate force, if that was a core philosophy of those folks in Washington DC last Wednesday, they would never have stormed the Capitol. They've been fine protesting it, maybe doing some civil disobedience, blocking streets and getting arrested for it, not resisting arrest. 
and taking the consequence of their decision to actually break a law, but they would never have initiated the force necessary to push past police officers, knock down barriers, damage property, all of that would have been wrong in their core philosophy. Likewise, on the left side, those folks up in Portland over the summer that have been choosing to damage property, to shoot fireworks, commercial grade fireworks at police officers, aim lasers in their eyes with the intent of harming them. All of that is the initiation of force and should never be accepted. Both sides are wrong because they initiated force. And, you know, what bothers me somewhat is suddenly now it's become a national crisis and an attack on democracy. The protests that started last May and have continued all through the summer consistently attacked U.S. federal courthouses. That's one of the three branches of government. And as I noted, as a as a libertarian, one of the necessary branches of government is the court system. Attacking the courthouse is an attack on democracy and our Constitution. One of the three equal branches of government was under attack. Fires set intentionally in those buildings. I didn't, at least I didn't see any fires set in the Capitol saw a lot of wrong behavior, but you know, I didn't see fires set. That should be called out as wrong. And I have been consistent in calling out all of them as wrong. I called out last week's protest in D.C. That, that, that ended up in violence at the Capitol, wrong. That violence was wrong. Invading the Capitol was wrong. I don't care who you were supporting, what your your issues were. It was wrong and should never have taken place. And I was going to play part of a, a video, uh, audio clip of mine. I think I'm going to boot that for a minute, Robin, um, rather than play it. I'm going to try and get it up on, on social media. But back on July 28th, I finally gotten so fed up because the weekend before that, some of these, quote, peaceful protesters decided to attack and vandalize a local business here in Eugene, Oregon, in Lane County, because the owner had previously, six or eight months before that, spoken out against the, the lawlessness that was occurring in downtown Eugene and the fact that his business had been consistently vandalized by various people in downtown Eugene. And, of course, his speaking out against lawlessness was then attacked as, as, as anti-homeless, which it wasn't. He was attacking the lawlessness. And then this group decided during one of their, quote, peaceful protests 
to vandalize and attack his business, specifically because he spoke out and exercised his right of peaceful political speech six or eight months ago. So on July 28th in our board meeting, I spent about five minutes on a rant about how unacceptable it was to use violence in political protests and in particularly to use it to intimidate somebody from using their free speech rights. So I'm going to try and post that up because it's worth a listen. Because I, not only do I, I, I go on about how that's wrong, I asked for local leaders to speak up with me about how wrong it was. And I got crickets after that from local leaders. I was the only local elected official to publicly condemn the violence against Elkhorn Brewer. And then they wonder how it escalates and continues to go on. As we have, you know, district attorneys that choose not to prosecute people for riots in Portland, as the Multnomah County District Attorney has chosen. And there gets to be this acceptance of violence in political activities, ultimately escalating to the point where a couple hundred or so idiots in Washington, D.C. decide to attack the Capitol building and incite some people around them to do so. And I just want to say, if you're looking for blame, don't go with what happened that day necessarily. Look back on what's been going on in this country for years. Look at the slow acceleration and acceptance of allowing protests to get more and more disruptive and violent over the years. And the acceptance of it is by certain elected officials if they kind of sympathize with the cause behind the protest. I mean, at one point, we had a lot of violent protests in this country in the 60s, late 60s, summer of love, all that good stuff. Chicago was burning during, you know, the Democrat National Convention, um, you know, and we saw the, the post-King uh, assassination riots in many cities. Uh, you know, some of that blew up in those days, and it kind of went away. We kind of healed and, and at least decided that how, you know, how destructive that really was and who actually got hurt by that. You know, a lot of times those protests are on behalf of the folks that are on the low end of, of the economic spectrum and the low end of the power spectrum, those folks that are disenfranchised, and those violent protests in inner cities did nothing but make those inner cities horrible for years. It took years for some of those cities to recover. Some of them never really did. Violence never works. And we seem to have gotten away from that for a long time. And then it seemed to start creeping back into our political discussions, particularly as the 
identity politics started dividing us into groups. Rather than talking about individuals and individual rights, we started talking about groups and groups being, you know, so homogeneous that they could have their rights violated as a group. Um, and that, that just started putting us in, in opposite corners, dividing us as a nation. And then we started getting kind of the acceptance of very disruptive and behaviors that were actually encouraged sometimes by elected officials. Way back in the Bush administration, we had code pink that was allowed into a State of the Union speech in the gallery to, to execute and disrupt a State of the Union speech by congressional staff with the wink-wink head nods of certain congressional leaders at the time. Not necessarily violent, but pretty disruptive and, and pretty against decorum at the time. I mean, nowadays that would, would probably be thought of as <laughs> wouldn't even make the national news, probably. Um, but, you know, you move on from that. You know, we were willing to accept two years ago a, a federal office being surrounded by protesters and the federal officials inside not being allowed to leave by those protesters under threat of violence when the immigration and customs enforcement folks building was surrounded in Portland. Didn't hear a lot of people saying that was wrong, our elected officials. You know, so, and then we saw, you know, if you go back to, you know, post the election of 2016, we saw, you know, violence erupt after that election. Didn't see a lot of calls for calm and, and nonviolence and all that from elected officials. We have to be consistent. It's never right. It's always wrong to resort to violence because you're initiating force against another person. Even if it's property damage, it's wrong. Somebody invested their time and their treasure in that property. When you damage that, you basically have taken away part of a person's life. And you're probably damaging some other person's life in that they may have been employed at that business and the business might be shut down for a while and now they're out of work. How much harm are you doing? Property damage is not a victimless crime. And don't give me this, oh, they're insured stuff. You don't think that there's losses in the insurance company and the insurance company has to turn around and raise rates? Do you think there's deductibles for those businesses? Do you think they cover things like lost wages for their employees? There's no such thing as a victimless crime except for a crime against yourself when you talk about property damage. And, and when you start talking about actually attacking people, and yes, law enforcement are people, even if it's a federal law enforcement, even if it's an ICE agent, it's still a person that has individual rights you're attacking. It's wrong. I don't care if it's a Capitol policeman. I don't care if it's a congressional staffer. I don't care if it's a congressperson. Hacking any person is a way out of line, and it's well beyond even property damage, and property damage is wrong. 
And we just have to take a deep breath and as a nation, don't blame one side or the other. Look at how we've allowed as a nation the consistent escalation of violence tied to politics and accept it. I mean, ultimately, it leads to things like 9-11, where people are willing to kill innocent people over political differences. We don't want to get there in this country. You know, we all refer to extremists when we start talking about some of these terrorists and all that. You know, we're starting to grow our own because we're becoming tolerant of small acts of violence. Tied to politics. No act of violence tied to politics should be accepted. And that's really, you know, something that we should condemn consistently as a nation, as elected officials, no matter who's behind it, what their cause is, if they went beyond peaceful protest and civil disobedience, peaceful civil disobedience, it's wrong. Damage property, initiate force against another person, you're wrong, you've lost your message, you really should be held to account for that and held responsible. I'm happy to see some of these arrests that are happening even months after riots. Eugene police made an arrest yesterday on the May 30th riot. And I believe that is just a good sign they're continuing to investigate and continuing to hold people accountable. I only wish that the Multnomah County DA would do the same thing. We cannot tolerate violence in politics. And with that, I'll take a deep breath and remind folks this is a call-in show. And you can get to us at 646-721-9887 and just press 1 so Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, knows you want to get in on the conversation. And uh, we'll have a conversation. It doesn't have to be about violence in politics or the non-initiation of force. It can be about anything you want because... We're open to anything you want here on the Bose Nose Show. And, uh, yeah, we, yeah we, we, we wander in our topics on the Bose Nose Show. Everything from the crazy eights and traffic drunk, drunk architects and traffic planners to uh, national politics and the attack on the Capitol, it's all fair game. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, some of the, 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 the traffic planners and all that, you know, I did mention that I might talk about our budget a little bit. And, you know, our budget is not looking good for Lane County. And obviously COVID-19 and, the, and what's happened in response to trying to control it has really hurt our economy. And it's hurt the revenues coming in to the government. In particular, I can tell you that our car rental tax is down 20 is down 38%. Our transit room tax is down 23%. Um, it looks like we're not going to have any increase in our property tax 
revenues next year, um, we're not going to be in a good place in Wayne County on our budget. And I don't think the state's going to be in a very good place because I can't imagine income tax receipts are doing that well with so many people applying for unemployment, even though unemployment's taxable. It's usually not near what you made before you when you're employed. <laughs> so, um, you know, I foresee the state budget's going to be very tight, and uh, they're talking about major cuts in programs that the county actually runs, but the state funds, like our parole probation department. Um, so it's not going to be a, a pretty picture on the budget side uh, coming up this year. And uh, you know, that, that leads to a lot of other issues uh, as, we, as we come into this uh, cycle of, of um, trying to put together a budget and uh, dealing with all these various things going on. Kind of puts you in a place where you just kind of want to, you know, fall into a hole somewhere and find those Zen poodles that disappeared. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just to avoid the news and everything else. It's a tough, tough week. Uh, but we, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit about everything. But getting back to the budget thing, Robin sent me a little article. It seems like some jurisdictions are getting creative about how they want to make more money because they lost so much money in the COVID crisis. Uh, Robin, you kind of had a, a, a little, uh, um, I know it's one of your favorite things, these, uh, these cameras that give out tickets. Oh, you mean the, the Yeah, yeah. The, I, I think you sent me a little article later uh, this week about some jurisdiction that was planning on installing traffic cam cameras to issue tickets to increase their revenues because their tax collections are down? Yeah, that was quite good. Um, so we can see what she governs here. But I know that um, Portland has them, Salem has them. Eugene Lane County is approved to have them, but uh, Hopefully they are still, yeah, Chicago. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot, uh, Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> Lightfoot. Or Gordon Lightfoot, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Chicago, and she she came right out and just said that uh, because of, uh, like you were saying, uh, uh, the decrease in revenue, they're putting these out to make up for it, and you can get a ticket for going as little as six miles over the speed limit. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, just beware, folks, now that, that, you know, governments and, you know, Lane County's situation with our budget is reflected in every city, county, and state across the nation uh, for the most part. Um, they're going to be trying to reach into your pocket in many ways, which kind of gets back to the idea of non-initiation of force. And, and, I, and I want to address something else. It's one of the things somebody brought to my attention is how the stock market's grown since election day. And yeah, it's had a, a big jump and they were like, so I guess they, they're considering that there's going to be a, a good growth in the economy under uh, President Biden. And my, my reaction to that is President Biden has promised to grow the size of government in many of his promises. 
and also to add more stimulus, et cetera. And if you go back to the Obama administration and the stimulus packages they tried to put in place after the 2008 um, economic collapse, that became a situation where most of it went to Wall Street firms, didn't get down to the street level, and did a lot to support big big companies, but it did very little to benefit man on the street. And what you saw during that those eight years of administration was a very slow, in fact, the slowest on record economic recovery this country has ever seen as far as the pace of growth went. And the unemployment rates stay consistently high and crawl down with the but the exception was the unemployment rates for black Americans and for, for Latinos stayed very high and for teenagers. You know, and basically it was the programs and the, the growth in the size of government all that was supporting big government and the growth in government regulation supports big government. One thing people don't understand is that desire to regulate only hurts small businesses and new startups. Big companies, Amazon, Apple, Twitter, that are already out there and giants in their fields can deal with regulation. They've got the staff and the budgets and it's just a small percentage of their total income every year. That real startup company that might be coming up there that's going to nip at the heels of that big company can't deal with that additional regulation. So, of course, Wall Street likes the idea that we've got an administration coming in that's promising to spend a whole lot of federal money that will probably end up in the pockets of Wall Street and at the same time is promising to add a whole bunch of regulation. Woohoo, big business. And in addition to that, they're talking about lifting a lot of the restrictions the current administration has placed on, on the trade with China, which, you know, I don't know how that's going to help the American worker, but it's sure going to help the bottom lines of a lot of Wall Street firms that can now purchase and import product cheaper than they can spend on, you know, manufacture here in America. Um, but, you know, it's just... You know, it's one of those things, the bigger government is, the more force it can initiate against people, and the more control of that government means you have the power to increase your bottom line. So everyone that complains about how much money is in politics should want the smallest government possible on the most local level possible. Because what generates that money in politics is the fact that you can make millions by a single word being inserted into a bill in Congress. And having that influence that that money buys with Congress or a president makes it worth investing that money in elections and dumping millions of dollars on either side. Non-initiation of force, minimizing it, 
means small government, means then it becomes not worth investing that money because government decisions can't make somebody millions. You minimize the amount of regulation, you can increase the ability for small business, local small business to compete with the Amazons and the Walmarts. And you can also make it easier for somebody to start up the next Amazon and the next Walmart and keep them honest with their prices and, and, and their, their actions. I find interesting what's happened since last Wednesday is making an incredible case for somebody to file an antitrust suit against Amazon, Apple, Twitter, and Facebook, and a few other companies right now because they have successfully been able to suppress a startup company with the power they have in the market. It's one of the reasons why we broke up Ma Bell and allowed MCI to start competing off a long-distance telephone service, which, of course, if you're not my age, you don't remember. In fact, kids today are like, long-distance what? They still don't quite understand why we talk about when somebody's pressing on a keypad, they're dialing their phone. Um, Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Somebody, I, I don't know where, I think I've got one listener that keeps track of my dadisms. There's two for you. <laughs> yeah, and we got uh, Jeff on the line, by the way, from Florence. I would like to uh, give you a little weather report from Florence. Oh, Welcome to the show, Jeff. I'm sorry. I, I didn't have my – I blew my board off my computer and wasn't watching it. Uh, what's going on in Florence? I understand they had a little bit of wet weather there and some wind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, last night it was uh, it was horrendous, and we've had the king tides for the last two days. So that's pushed water high enough that we couldn't get out of town because that closes off the the road going underneath the train bridge. So can't get out of town till the, the tide goes down. And then the waters came all the way underneath the coffee shop, so it was um, it was like wow. downtown turned into a pier. Wow! Yeah, and it, not not only that, between the wind and and the rain, there were several landslides, and it closed a good portion of 126 here on this end um, through the landslides. So. Um, and there were several trees down on Highway 36 at one point. So you guys were pretty isolated. Um, I did have to kind of giggle yesterday that the one car that decided they were brave enough to drive under the railroad tracks there in Cushman was a Mini Cooper. Oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh, you, you, you know, here's your sign. <laughs> Yeah, too bad it wasn't a Volkswagen Beetle. Maybe it would have floated across. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the Mini Cooper, I think, ended up getting hauled out of there. Um, but, you know, it's like of all the vehicles, you know, the only thing that would have been worse is if it had been one of those um, smart cars, you know, would have been, a, you know, a lower. You know, there's only one, I think that's the only car that's lower to the ground than a Mini Cooper. Yeah, it probably would have electrocuted all the fish. Electrocuted all the fish. 
So, Jay, on a more serious uh, topic, I just wanted to bring up something about the election. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, the people I've talked to around here, they are like, I'm never going to vote again because why do I even bother? So it seems like if people can start, investigations start going on, people could be prosecuted for malfeasance. It, it, you know, people have to see action now in order for them to have any faith anymore. And that's basically it right there. You could take it from there. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. And one of the things I want to also state here clearly is questioning some of the integrity of this election does not mean you're fomenting violence and that somehow or another that you're part of that group that invaded the Capitol. Um, there are legitimate reasons to question some of the integrity of this past election. There, there's statistical anomalies that were present in how certain areas voted versus the rest of the country. There's plenty of sworn affidavits and video, even video evidence of, of possible uh, malfeasance. And it would seem that anyone that wants to have a transparent uh, government and wants people to believe that our elections have meaning would willingly allow for investigations to move forward instead of constantly just saying, oh, there wasn't any real evidence, uh, you know, that, you know, all the court cases were, 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 you know, turned down. You know, there's a difference between turning down a court case because of lack of standing versus whether there's actually evidence. Um, and that's most of those cases were, were kicked out before they ever got in the door and no, no arguments were even made because there was a determination of lack of standing to file a case. Because in order to file a case in court, you have to have been damaged by the party you're suing. <laughs> um, you know, so that, yeah, that's what they talk, talk about, standing. Um, and quite often, some of those suits were thrown out, like the Texas suit was basically thrown out for lack of standing. Not that they ever got their day in court to present evidence. Um, and if I was... The other side, you know, they keep saying, well, there, you know, there, there, there was no fraud, there wasn't anything. It's like, great, hold an investigation and show us that. Show the people that you're willing to investigate and demonstrate there wasn't, and people will believe that everything was on the up and up and that our next election will be held fairly. But right now, there's enough people in this country that don't believe our elections are meaningful. And one of the things that Mao Zedong, and, and you know, again, I'm probably going to have to remind some of the youngsters in our audience who he is, he's the guy that, that, that made China communist and, and, and uh, you know, came to power post-World uh, War II and uh, wrote the Little Red Book. One of the things he, he stated was, as soon as I can get 20% of the people in, in a country to believe the elections are not fair. It's not if resolution is going to happen, it's when. And we're, we're tipping into that balance 
you know, where people are, are not believing our elections. And I agree with you, Jeff. We need to have investigations. If there's any malfeasance found, we have to hold people responsible. We talked earlier in the show about, you know, freedom of liberty comes with responsibility. And if you, and if you commit fraud, you've got to be held responsible for it. Um, and, you know, we just need to do those investigations. I would love, I would cheer if there was decent investigations done that were open and transparent and they found nothing. That would make me extremely happy to know that and to have that kind of confidence in our system. Is that kind of where where you're coming from, Jeff? <laughs> yes. Sorry, I was about to say amen. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking that the Supreme Court is going to take up a case about the 26th to rule on whether, uh, I'm going to just, maybe this isn't how it's worded, but whether a judge can can change the election laws set by the legislature. I'm not sure. I, I just recall hearing something about that. I'm not familiar with that case. Um, it'd be it'd be interesting to see because that's one of the things that, um, as people were, you know, talking about how the, the courts haven't taken up some of these cases. One of the main reasons they don't is um, the the process of elections is a legislative um, matter, and it's and the legislative branch has control over the rules of how elections run and they don't want to cross over that, that three equal branches thing and legislate from the bench uh, necessarily. So they're loath to overturn an election um, from a judiciary, judicial point, point of view. It's very, that's one of the reasons why they're so reluctant to take any of these cases. Um, but that doesn't stop the fact that there could be, in, you know, independent investigation of some of the allegations by the Attorney General's office, and if there is fraud found, that there could be criminal and, and federal even um, charges brought at a later date. Criminal cases are the jurisdiction of this, that third branch, the equal branch of, of government. That's a whole different thing, and I'm sure they'd be more than happy to prosecute people for election fraud. But at the same time, as we do those investigations, we find weaknesses in our elect electoral system that, that, that can be um, used, we should be closing those gaps in our system and protecting our next election. And I think that anybody that believes in free and fair elections and believes that if they believe this election was free and fair should not be afraid to allow it to be investigated. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, it's, it's just imper it's it's just imperative they get on this and work on it as fast as possible because it's not me. I'm I'm a pretty, I want to say pretty cool guy, but there are people out there right now, kicking in their head. How can I take physical retribution for this? And you know, if the government doesn't um, exact punishment or whatever, somebody out there is going to. Not me. It's not me. I just, you know, there's people out well, there just thinking this way. 
they need to take care of this as soon as possible. Yeah, and and somewhat yeah. that's where we need we need to as as a as a group continually promote the concept of non-initiation force. Because, you know, even though those folks feel like they've been harmed and they've been defrauded, nothing justifies taking retribution and, and initiating force against another person. Um, you know, we saw some of the, the, those riots after the, the 2016 election when the other side thought that, that there had been some kind of malfeasance you know, and, and the and the whole Trump Russia collusion story was born, um, and you know there was people that wanted to take retribution and committed violence in the name of, of they thought thought that election was illegal. Um, we don't need to be on that side. Nobody needs to be on that side, and we have to continually remind people that if you you you, you don't help. You know, if they do take retribution, basically what they're going to justify is more expansion of government to protect against that retribution, greater censorship, greater, you know, attempts to control free speech because they, you know, will say it's in the name of controlling conspiracy and, and, and putting, you know, having people organized to commit violence. Um, I mean, look what we did in the name of anti-terrorism under the Patriot Act. You know, violence begets bigger government, more restrictions on our freedoms. We really don't want to go that direction. Talk to those people when you do hear them. You know, try and bring them down off the ledge. Remind them, you know, that, that initiation of violence is nothing but to actually get the exact opposite of where they want to go. You know, that, yeah, and, amen. Well, yeah, you know, amen. I would have I spoken out against that. Yeah. Well, amen, and, and uh, I agree with you, and I just pulled up to the beach right here, and um, the surf is pounding away, and the fishing boats are on the horizon, so... I'm going to leave you with that, and thank you so much for all that you've done all these years. Thank you, Jay. All right. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you for calling the Bozner Show. Is it that, that easy to change the topic here? We talked about the weather, and we talked about the, the uh, traffic conditions a bit there, and, and uh, got back to the election, and got back to, you know, something that, you know, I didn't talk about initially, which is the whole concept of, of you know, was there any malfeasance in this election? You know, I can't tell you that there there wasn't because we haven't investigated any. You know, and I can't tell you there was because we haven't investigated any. I can tell you there's some very credible evidence that there was enough to initiate. I'm sorry, you're you're going into the thing where you're coming up, where you're approaching violation the terms of service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just, I, I, I can't believe the amount of censorship and attempt to steer public um, opinion that's gone on on social media. I had a friend, you know, post something about, uh, 
you know, opening a speakeasy, and he had a bunch of cocktails that were jokes, you know, that basically were, you know, uh, uh, takeoffs on everything from political figures to uh, the COVID-19 restrictions, et cetera. And that got a Facebook stamp on it, you know, you know, the little for more for accurate information on COVID-19, you know, click this link here, you know. <laughs> he was joking, and it was all a joke. But that gets a stamp from, from, from the Facebook censors that, you know, you've got to go here for accurate information on COVID-19 because a joke about COVID-19 might make you think something incorrectly, and the thought police of Facebook are there to fix your thoughts. Uh just remember, good thinking will be rewarded. Yeah, yeah. George Orwell just got the year wrong. <laughs> Clock was slow. No, it was fast. <laughs> 1984 was too soon. It should have been 2020. Um, and now we're into 2021. Uh, yeah, I love the posts that were coming out on last week about, you know, I, I've, I've taken the, the free seven-day trial of 2021 and I do not accept the terms any longer, and I would like to return it. <laughs> yeah, 2021 isn't turning out a whole lot better uh, than 2020 so far. What is it we said that uh, 2021 to 2020, here, hold my beer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and it's, last Wednesday was a perfect example. Last night's weather, it's like, what next? Don't challenge it, please. Oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Uh, uh, yep. Oh, my. So, yeah. Well, we got about five more minutes left in the Bose No show here tonight. So if you want to jump in like Jeff did, again, it's 646-721-9887. I've got my correct screen up so I can actually see if you call and not keep you on hold too long. <laughs> Thanks for jumping in there, um, Robin. I, I I clicked on something to check something, and, and I took the screen off. Yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> I'm just doing my job. Yes, yes. Thank you, and I appreciate that. That's one of the reasons I pay you so highly. <laughs> and you know, you get what you pay for. Yes, yes. And that, you know, I've said this before on the air. Um, Robin does the production on this show for me for free. She does it because she enjoys political discourse and having helping um, have a forum out there for people to get information, to interact with an elected official. Where else can you call in every Wednesday between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific and talk to an elected county official live on the air and put me on record about things or ask me the tough question. You know, Robin allows that to happen, and I just want to say uh, you know, thank you to Robin for doing that. She doesn't make any money doing it. In fact, it costs her money to, to maintain all the equipment and everything else it takes for her to do this. And, uh, you know, so when I joke about how highly paid she is, she's not. She's a volunteer, and uh, we'll start the Robin GoFundMe page shortly. (laughs) 
which brings me to one last item I want to touch on real quickly. A friend of mine you know, was talking to somebody about property taxes and how they're driving you know, the cost of housing up. And you know, she was talking to somebody and they weren't understanding it because this person was talking about wanting to, to do another tax to, to support affordable housing. And she just wasn't getting that property taxes or what's driving housing. And it was somebody in Eugene. How much that's driving the cost of housing. So she did a quick bit of research through um, Redfin to see similar priced houses, what their property taxes were around the state of Oregon. So I just want to read to you real quick a couple housing prices of what they're selling for and what their current property taxes were in 2019. So in Redmond, Oregon, a house selling for $495,000, their 2019 property taxes were $1,124. Don't faint, Robin. In Bend, which you would think Bend is pretty high cost, house selling for $495 there, their property taxes were $2,131. Hay Falls, one that sold for $499, $1,572. Cottage Grove, now we're starting to get into Lane County, $489,000 house, their property taxes were $2,582. In Florence, which people think the coast is kind of expensive and all that, $479,000 house, 2,615 property taxes in 2019. City of Eugene, $495,000 house, 2019 property taxes, $6,607. Now, if you're renting that house, you have to divide that number by 12 and make sure you're recovering that in your rent or the government's going to repossess your house for non-payment of property taxes. So when you think about how high rents are in the Eugene Springfield area, think about that difference. That's three times the cost of property taxes in other cities around Oregon and Lane County. Why do we have a housing crisis in the city of Eugene? Taxes. What was I talking about? Non-initiation of force and keeping government as small as possible really is helpful to everybody. Think about how big and powerful the city of Eugene's government is. They're into everything and trying to control the climate to whether you can have a straw or a styrofoam container. They really need to be that big. And with that happy note. Yeah, thank you, for, thank you for all the listening. Yeah, yeah. So just for that happy note, we that's all for the Bose Nose Show today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition and maybe we'll talk about 
a little bit more about Lane County politics and budget stuff and all that, and not be so national and maybe down to the basic principles of libertarianism. Uh, so tune in next week, 4 p.m. Pacific. Have a great week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.